0: This is the MDRT Podcast. Advisors can provide so much help to clients, but that only happens when clients are open to understanding new aspects about retirement, paying for children's education, and more. During a Zoom conversation,
1: Abigail Yabot, Manila, Philippines.
0: Joseph Tan from Singapore. Explained how they find effective ways to inform their clients about some challenging topics
1: when I fact find, and usually people here don't want to give you a lot of time, I delve straight into doing my magic numbers. So I just really make them understand what those magic numbers are in terms of retirement, in terms of critical illness, and of course, income protection. So A lot of Filipinos will always say, hey, I already have insurance. Please don't sell me insurance. So I said, hey, that's great. Congratulations. I am curious what kind of insurance you got. Maybe this is something that I will learn as well and it will help me with my next client. And usually what I do offer is a quick policy review of what they have. And that's where you figure out that, you know, what they have is barely enough to cover a year's expense when something happens to them right now. So I asked them if I can do a quick, you know, quick computation. I actually have this one page sheet that they can take home with them. It's already divided into three portions and there's formulas where they can just input like say for income protection, what age is their youngest child, and how much their monthly expenses are. And then it will compute how much they actually need in insurance. I always say, just keep this in mind that your magic number for income protection, say, is 32 million. And they'll be surprised it's 32 million because, oh, I'm already covered. I have 2 million in insurance, or it's 7 million at that. And that's so why I do the same for critical illness. And I think what's most striking, at least for us here in our country, is. Retirement planning, not a lot of people do that because I think the usual behavior is that we expect our children to take care of us. Some parents think that when they're able to send all their kids off to college, they're done. They're like they're retired, but actually they don't understand or they don't realize yet that uh, there are a lot of expenses involved in retirement because you know you stop working. Of course, the expenses are still pouring in. And I always tell them, you do want to retire rich, don't you? You don't want to retire and you're begging money off of everybody or your children. And so we compute that magic number, and that's when I say, okay, know, the intention of this activity is for for me not to sell to you, so unselling for me. It's a very powerful communication tool because they'd feel like I am really just there to really educate and teach them. And I always leave with if you are in any way interested in finding out how I can get you closer to your magic number, then you just let me know. So that would be a separate meeting for us. So I think the power of unselling always works for me and that they would always get back to me, whether it's a day, a week, a month, or two months after. But for me, being able to compute that, and especially for parents who have children they can leave behind and if they don't leave them behind that I I was telling like say hey for example my client was 38 year old they said you know my children are already big I don't need insurance anymore etc etc and and what I tell them is wait maybe you can just leave them something when you pass on if one of our parents die and we are left with life insurance of a certain amount in millions then you know it would still put a little bit of smile on our faces of course the blow the death will not be easier but at least there's something that they left behind and imagine spending that on yourself and your children and you like it's like them being present despite them being not there anymore so I think that in terms of like choosing my clientele or like uh, my niche with parents I still am able to hit a lot of other sub-niches or sub-markets because of the ages of my children. So I would come from telling them that because I have a handle here and I call it the prudent mom. And I remember doing that when I was just starting out a few years back. And my mission is really to make sure that each Filipino child is empowered to make all the decisions that they want. You know, and because because the thing is, when you're poor, you don't have a lot of decisions. It's just really, will you study or will you not study? But when you have a lot of finances, when you are financially free, it's not just will you study or will you not study. It's will you study where will you study, how will you study, how long do you want to study, etc., etc., etc. So it's really giving them those kinds of options, and I teach them what. Well, part of my uh, mission is to make sure that each child each Filipino child will have at least four policies. So that's multi-selling already. So one is for, of course, their college funding, which is extremely important. And then second is for parents to have their own retirement funds so they don't become a burden to their children because that's also part of empowering your kids. You're not a burden to them, right? And then the third is what I call the exit fund. And of course, the last is the legacy fund or funds that you will leave to your kids. So usually what I apply for in legacy is like the littlest, amount of insurance i like, can um a whole life, regular pay insurance that you you can just, you don't mind paying for it, like maybe 2,000, 3,000 pesos a month. And, you know, it builds into this big savings account. And you can eventually turn that over when they're 21 years old and say, hey, you know, I started this, you can continue paying for it. But you see, when I talk about, and I believe in that, we do have just one mouth and two ears and we do listen to them. But I think it's more like a balance for me of you sharing and you teaching because you here are the teacher and you also... One thing, because usually with each client, you also learn something new. I believe that whenever you present to a client, you'd be able to take away something that you can use to, for the next client. So it's like doing a research. Because there's also an approach of like asking three questions only. So more or less, you know that, hey, you know, for 20 to 30 years old, this is what they focus on. They only want life insurance, while the 45 to 50, they want all money. So it like gives you a more in-depth idea of what a certain age group or a market would look for so that you can use that for the next client or in your next presentation. So it's really a two-way street in terms of you teaching and you being taught. So it's very important for you also to really be listening and to make sure that after each conversation, they're able to take away something. I usually ask them, oh, what did you learn today? Is this something that's useful to you? Do you think that other people will find this useful too? And then that's when I get their referrals. So even if I haven't sold to them yet, usually what I do is I ask for referrals right away. But what's more amazing is that sometimes they become my, like it's I call them my sub-agents because now they practice it with their with their husbands and their friends. Hey, you know, I learned something today. I learned something about magic numbers. I'll try to compute yours. So it's like really doing this advocacy of spreading financial literacy. And then you being there, you getting in touch with them all the time will keep you top of mind. And that's when the sales would come in.
0: I had a very peculiar experience. I had a colleague who said, oh, my daughter just came back from London. I sent her there to be a lawyer, to study to be a lawyer. After five years, she came back. I was like, but why do you need to send her to the UK? And he said, oh, in Singapore, right, there are only 300 spaces to be a law graduate and uh, 2,000 people uh, applied. So I sent her to the UK. I said, okay, so much you spent, you know, five years. He said, oh, about 500,000 pounds, including living expenses and college fees and things like that. And I said, wow, that's a lot of money. He said, yeah, and that doesn't include me and my wife flying there every three months to see her right? Because she's my only daughter, I have to do that. And I'm like, oh, okay. So now she's back. Yeah, she's back. Okay, great, great. So which uh, big law firm did she end up in? You know what he told her? He told me? He said, um, she's not having a job right now. I'm like, what? Why? Oh, she thought she wanted to be an activist for a while before she starts to find, the, find work. So he's still paying her an allowance, right? even though she's like almost 30 years old, right? So then I told this to a client, which is that client I said just now who was very resistant to me. He has two sons. So I told him about about this experience and then he said, and then his son was about, I think, 16 or 15 years old. He said, Oh, it's a coincidence. My son also wants to be a lawyer. So I said, okay, why? "Uh, I don't know. But he's not really good in his studies. I don't know why he wants to be a lawyer. So I said, why not you let me talk to him? So Uncle Joseph went with his right? 16 years old, 15 years old. I took Starbucks. And I found out why he wants to be a lawyer. Because he saw a movie, the courtroom drama movie. And I told him, I said, okay, wait a minute. You want to be a lawyer? There are a lot of things to do. Okay. Yeah. There's prosecuted, prosecution, civil cases, litigation. I said, do you really know what lawyers do? Let let Uncle Joseph tell you what lawyers do, right? And then after your whole told, I mean after I told him whatever I told him, like he said, okay, maybe I don't want to be a lawyer anymore. So when he went back, right, his father called me and said, "Hey Joseph, you spoke to my son, right?" I said, "Yeah, I did. What do you tell him?" So I explained to him, you know, if he wants to know what a lawyer does, right, I have a couple of clients who are lawyers, maybe I can hook them up and you know share about what they do before he really wants to. Uh, Waste uh, half a million dollars uh, of your retirement fund. And he said, no need. Thanks for saving me the money. Now he wants to do something else. And then two weeks later, he says, hey Joseph, you know what? I haven't done any retirement planning. Can you come over to me to discuss about this, what I can do for my retirement planning? so You see, there's a connection between an education fund for the kids and whether there's enough money for retirement. I think Abby mentioned a little bit about this just now, there's a connection here. But who is the intermediary to make sure the allocation of funds in the family is allocated the correct place? It's actually the financial advisor. So, and of course, um, uh, the idea of being the advocate for the family. I mean, children these days, right? Not these days, all along, they treat parents as parents right? They don't treat parents as their best friend. It's slowly, it's slowly changing, right? So whatever you tell your father is not what what you tell your best friend. And sometimes you don't dare to tell your your father that you don't want to be a lawyer. That that what you really want to do is a professional violinist, maybe. So somebody told me before that, uh, the Godfather and the Godmother, um, idea was invented because you will never listen to your parents, but you will always listen to your grand- godparents, even though they're t- telling you the same things. So I think that financial advisors, to a certain degree, right, we have to be that godparent to the children of our clients to connect with them. Right? I ever heard on uh, uh, the M B R T stage, one of the, the advisors of somebody's mother, never let them say, oh, Uncle Joseph, Auntie Abby, They are my mother's financial advisor. Never let them do that. Be their advisor. Uncle Joseph, Auntie Abby is my advisor because although they are my parents' age, but they connect with me at my level. Because after all, after all, we're supposed to pass their parents' money to them, right? And we wouldn't want them to take their parents' inherited money to do something that's not good, right? For themselves. So that's how our business can carry on to the next generation support what Abby uh, said just now about educating parents that's the end of this month's episode if you'd like to subscribe you can find us on soundcloud and spotify at mdrt podcast thanks for listening and see you next time